singer. I'm glad you joined me for today's Voice Club live vocal training video. Today, by request, we are going to talk about harmony. So thank you very much for the request from last week's live session. Today, we are going to talk about um, harmonies. Go ahead, if you've arrived in one of our live places, if you're on our YouTube channel now or if you're on my um Facebook live page, our, our voice club page on, on Facebook. There we go. Make sure you say hi because it won't show up in my comments here until you do. Last week, they just weren't showing up until that happened. So I don't see anybody and usually there's a bunch of people. So I want to welcome you if you're here. Pop in, say hi, and let me know you're here and ask any questions you want about Harmony. Uh, this is a question that I get a lot at the voice club. I forgot to introduce myself just in case you don't know. Uh, Generally, people have seen a few of my videos and know who I am by the time you join a live cast, but just in case you don't, I'm Kim Snyder. I'm the creator of the Voice Club Method, the only single, solitary, no joke, this is not marketing type of approach towards singing that is completely unique. And it's based on my experience of being um, the victim of losing my voice medically twice, knowing all of the major singing methods and finding that all of them on top of all the current science that everybody with the exception of the world's top singing surgeons, everything that all of those banks of knowledge had proved to be absolutely useless in getting the voice to work, making the voice stable, and then doing what I was able to do after two voice ending conditions, which is completely repair a full professional level voice. And the second time gained an extra half octave. I didn't do that because I'm smarter than everybody else. I did that because I relied on the body instead of what other people say is the way to sing better faster. And ever since then, it's been over a decade now, I've been training other singers to do the same, unlock the same great stuff in their voice. And my intention on these live casts weekly is to train you to do the same. My tagline for this year is stop taking singing lessons, not because I hate singing lessons, not because I hate singing teachers. They are for the, on the whole, very wonderful people who love to sing themselves and really want to help singers. But as somebody who was a bad singing teacher in the past and a relatively good singing teacher in the past, before I know what I know now, I know that singing teachers are not given the information either. Um, not even the world's greatest singing teachers have access to the current science of what we even know about the voice. And what I was able to prove through my two vocal recoveries is stuff that, quite honestly, there's not enough money in it for science to do the studies to test. I know, because the world's top singing surgeon told me so. So chances are they're not going to do the test to prove it, but I can tell you that it works. And I've been testing out voices. It works. And I want you to know how to master your own voice. Take back control. It is not a mystery about how to run your voice any more than it is. Um, how do you keep your body healthy? How do you lose weight in a healthy way? Now, can you go on a specific diet program or work with a specific Olympic level coach and, and have far exceeding results. Yeah, absolutely. You can, right? And that's what I do for the very few people that I train privately. But on the whole, it's not this big mystery, the voice. Matter of fact, it's a lot easier to understand than a lot of people want to make it. And they're just kind of passing down what they have heard from other people. Sometimes they put their own twist on it. But in the end, when it comes down to protecting your voice, protecting the life of your voice, which nobody will do but you, it's your job to have the information to protect that voice for yourself and get the most out of it. And my job as I see it is to give you the skills to be able to do that, to know how to tell the myths from the truths and be able to know what you need to know so that you can protect yourself and get the most out of your voice. <clears throat> All right, so Harmony. I recently did a vocal boot camp for um, Tacoma area churches here in Washington state. And uh, this comes up at every single boot camp I ever do. Harmony, how can I help people teach uh, learn harmony, or how can I learn to harmonize myself? I'd like to start. Hey there. Thanks for saying hi. Um, I, I'd like to start by saying, if you look back in history of any culture around the globe, we were always singing. As far as history goes back, as far as there is written history of any culture, we were always singing and we were always singing in harmony. Matter of fact, if you were one of the select people uh, that grew up in a church, uh, kind of environment. You will remember that when you were a child, or especially if you're, let's say, over 40, and you grew up in church, everybody in your church was singing harmony. Matter of fact, um, I grew up in a, a small Nazarene church in North Dakota, 
And I remember one of my mom's best friend left the church because she said, everybody sings too much and they're harmonizing all the time. It, it irritated her. She didn't like to sing, I guess. I just, I've never heard that before. I never heard it since. I just thought it was hilarious. But I thought about it. I thought, I guess I didn't realize everybody, everybody here sings and everybody harmonizes. It didn't seem like any big deal to me because I was born to be the third part harmony in a vocal family trio. At the age of four, I was taught to harmonize, to add to the group, and started traveling with my sisters, the McDaniel sisters. And we would travel around several states and do these performances. <clears throat> okay, so harmony was nothing to me. And there are a lot of people that, that can harmonize and they think, ah, harmony is easy. But more and more we find that it, that is the exception rather than the rule. It used to be everybody could harmonize, just like it used to be everybody sang and didn't have a big hang-up about it. But now we have hang-ups. We talked about that in uh, two weeks ago, the video, You Are a Singer. I proved it two weeks ago. And, uh, and you'll go back and as soon as that posts, hopefully later today, you can go back and check that if you haven't seen the live cast. But as we look in history, we all harmonized. How did we do that? There is a neuroscience reason behind why we used to all harmonize. And there is both a neuroscientific and a technology reason why we do not learn to harmonize right now. And really, I used to think for a while, before I knew what I know now, I used to think it was just that we don't use harmony as much in music as we did even in the probably 70s was the last decade, we used a lot of harmony and recorded music. And it really has less to do that with that than I thought. I'm going to tell you what the real reasons are. And then I'm going to tell you a really quick way for you to start training your brain to learn to harmonize. I'm going to tell you why your brain does not want to do it, why it actually is trying to protect you by not letting you harmonize, and how you can do a workaround to get your brain on board with helping you harmonize, okay? Harmony is an incredible skill. And I gotta tell you, I've, I've been extremely blessed to be able to work as a professional singer since I was 15. I started in the studio and then worked as a, a singer for hire. I did some independent album work, um, but mainly I was a working singer in big giant event bands and supported myself with that and voice work my entire life. And um, I, I got to do some cool things. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that singing in front of 40, 50, 60,000 people isn't cool. It has a little bit of cool factor. But I'll tell you, worlds better than any of those times that I was in front of those big crowds was when I got to share a stage of any size with other musicians that were just frightfully talented. And especially among those, uh, the ones that harmonized well. Because being on a stage with them and watching them go off someplace, it's kind of like letting racehorses go out of the gate. And every, every racehorse kind of has their own niche. They, they're in the race together. They've got the same common goal, right? It's the song is the goal. But every horse has their own kind of skill set and background and training. It's a little bit different. Their experiences are different. So the way that they'll approach harmonies is a little bit different. But when you get to be a racehorse and you get let out of the gate with other racehorses, it is the most fun thing in the world because they go off someplace and then you go off. And then they go, oh, yeah, well, I'm going here. And you go, oh, yeah, well, I'm going there. And the explosion of all that creative energy is just a really great live show, really. But I, t I tell you, it is a really great luxury to get paid to be a great singer and work with other great singers because I swear it's more of a, a fun event for the singers than it is for the audience who pays to be there. It's just incredibly fun. So if you're wanting to harmonize or learn to harmonize better, chances are you weren't exposed to it a whole lot. Or if you have been, you've had trouble and it's like you feel like you can't harmonize. And the, re the reality is that you can harmonize with the exception of the 2% that we talked about in um, I Can Prove You're a Singer, the live cast with the exception of those 2%, and you would know if you're in those 2% right now, you would know if you're not a singer. If you're not in that 2%, you would have a abnormally in the inner ear, in the physical part of your ear that would make you not able to decipher pitch. With the exception of that abnormality, and there's a whole school of things that can happen, but you would know when you were young and when you started to talk, you would know medically that this condition existed or one of those conditions. If you don't have that, you are not tone deaf. You do not have pitch problems, which is what we talked about in last week's live stream. And 
you have just as much capacity to learn to harmonize and harmonize well as anybody that you hear doing it. Now, today we have a lot of fake harmonizers. And I'll explain what that is before I go into why we don't do it anymore and what's keeping our brain from letting us go there. If you've ever watched a live show and maybe you have a couple favorite artists and you kind of watched either videos of them live online or you've gone to a couple shows and they come out and there's a really cool moment where they play this instrument. It's like a weird, wacky instrument. I don't know. They bring out a harpsichord or something or, you know, they got bagpipes. I don't know. And they play something cool and you're like, oh man, they're so talented. I didn't know they could do that. Here's the secret. It's called live show production. They can't do it. Somebody was brought in to teach them to play one part of one little portion of one little song on one instrument. And anybody can learn to do that. And it makes a really cool moment in the concert, which is why they do it. But the truth is that artist, chances are, does not play that instrument fluently and couldn't play any other song than that one part of the one song. It's called live show production. And they're live show producers that are paid very high numbers of thousands of dollars per hour to come in with a band who is very talented and teach them these little tricks to make a show more entertaining. That's why shows are so, wow, I can't believe, oh, it's so amazing. Well, that's because people are behind the scenes making those little moments happen. Not because all those people can do all those things. They just learn one little thing. Now, because of what I'm about to tell you, that I would say less than easily less than 5% of singers and singing teachers understand or have even heard about. Because of that information, singers don't harmonize. So what do you do when you get these musicians together that more and more don't learn harmony? So what do you do? Well, they the live show producers will come in and they will actually teach them to memorize a part. And they're learning a harmony. They are singing harmony, but they don't harmonize. In other words, if you were to get them in a room and have them sing, they could sing those harmony parts they've memorized for those certain songs, but they could not necessarily harmonize to anything that they sing. Now that flies completely in the face of what we used to all do. All of us, anyone with a voice used to be able to do. All right, so let's go into why we used to all harmonize, but we don't anymore. It's really the root of all singing problems, and that is the neuroscience of singing. In the brain, uh, there is a singing database, I call it. It is a database of all the information you've ever collected, even if you've never had a singing lesson. All the information you've ever been exposed to from uh, an opinion another singer gave, to anything you've heard from some artist in an interview, to any formal lessons you've had, or you were in choir in uh, church or in high school, it really doesn't matter. Anything that has to do with the subject of singing has gotten cataloged away in a singing database part of your computer brain. And every time you sing, the anatomy says, I've got to check in with the brain and so that the brain can give me the green light to go ahead and do whatever it is I want to do. I want to sing this on pitch, or I want to harmonize, or I want to trill, or I want to hold this note without it falling apart. The anatomy is totally capable. I proved that in ways I really never believed existed, and I've proved it in every voice since. The anatomy is totally capable of doing it. It's The problem is not the voice. The problem is not talent. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The problem is the brain's database is corrupt. It has information that is just not anatomically true. It just doesn't compute. So uh, for instance, if we were to let a bunch of horses out at the races and open the gate and these horses had all been taught that you have to run on three legs. You can run, you can run fast, but you have to run on three legs. That horse is not going to win. It's, it's going to run. It's going to run hard. It's going to do everything the brain will tell it to do, but it will be not using its full ability to run the race. And this is what's happening to singers and has been for decades now. We are handicapped by the information we're given by well-meaning people who are not given the right information. If I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through, and there's a, a set of five short videos on my YouTube channel, also on thevoiceclub.com that tell exactly what that was. It was just much easier to explain in that way. It's a really freaky, weird, extremely interesting story. So um, you might want to go see that. And if you think that I'm a little off my rocker, you'll know why once you watch those five short videos. But it's the reason why I know what I know. And I know that no one else is coming at it from this perspective, unless they've stolen it from us. And couple people have, but that makes me really sad because if you mix junk, even with good stuff, it's kind of like putting a, a 
glass of really great chocolate milk and dropping one little drop of poison in it, still going to make it not great chocolate milk. So I don't like it when people copy things because chances are 99.99999, it's a hundred percent chance that they're going to mix in other stuff that is not anatomically true and it will totally corrupt anything good that they add to it. Makes me sad. This is why I go direct to you, the singer. Your job to protect your voice, not a singing teacher's. Your job to get the most out of it. You need to know how it works. Okay, so we could all sing all the time, all those generations, generations, civilizations around the world because we had examples around us. Everybody did it, right? We heard it all the time. Now, I explained in one of the earlier videos, uh, the video on pitch. We talked in the live stream about pitch, how we decipher pitch. Um, that'll be a good one to refer back to. I'm not going to go into that today, but because we had other people singing on pitch and singing harmonies, it was pretty easy for us to pick that up and for the brain to catalog that information in our singing database. Therefore, whenever we would hear another song, we would automatically hear that second part of that third part that we had heard other people sing. It had been sung for us and our brain would say, oh, remember this and it's cataloged and the brain says there's a part missing and you would automatically sing that part. If you've grown up in a traditional church setting, I guess traditional is a a loose term anymore. I don't know. If you've if you're probably 30 and over and you grew up singing in the church a lot, you've been around people that harmonize and you might think you naturally harmonize. Naturally is a loaded term. We all have the capacity to naturally sing well. We all have the with the exception of the 2% we talked about in the first live stream and we all have the capacity to harmonize well. The reason we don't is in the brain. The brain says uh, I want you to succeed. It's the brain's job to not humiliate us. The brain is on our side and it doesn't want us to feel unconfident or embarrassed. But we do not anymore have clear, with the exception of being really standing next to another person that harmonizes regularly. Our brain does not get a clear example often enough to catalog the information to say that this is a thing this is a good thing. This is a thing that's missing when it's not there. And here's how to fill it in. That information is not missing in your voice. That information is missing in your brain. So when we hear harmonies in a recording and we say, I want to sing harmony, we can't decipher it. Why is that? We cannot pick it out in recorded music because ever since, um, well, I, I point back to the True Blue album, Madonna, and I talked about this in the episode about pitch, why it all went wrong. Music forever was changed in the True Blue album of Madonna age, and, and you can go watch the live stream on pitch to find out why. Ever since then, technology has changed in the way that we record music. Now, I know this because I worked for several years as an audio producer as well, and I know a lot of the tricks that we use to do album production and commercial production and all the tools that are available to us. But the job of a producer is to take all these different, let's just say, um, I, oh, I get three singers in the studio. One is a lead singer and two other singers are singing harmonies. Uh, well, that's not what you're going to hear in the recording. I'm going to take every single voice, especially the harmonies, and I'm going to make ten, at least 10 channels of each of those voices. And I'm going to pad them all together. So now I've got, I've got at least 20 to sometimes 40 groups of harmonies from those two extra harmony parts. And then I'm going to pad them with tons and tons of... Uh, inboard gear and outboard gear. I'm just going to frequency change them to death until the ear, which is you on the other side of the radio or your MP3 player or wherever you're listening to it. Here's this frequency mishmash, which is a nice blend to the ear. That's the goal of a producer and to fix the lead vocal. So it sounds like they can actually sing better than they really can. And to arrange the song around the few notes that the singer can actually sing well, which is 90% of the time what you're doing with a singer, even a singer that's with a label. So don't feel bad about your own voice. We talked about that in the first live stream. You are a singer. Okay. So once you hear that recorded version, however you're listening to it, your brain is not getting the same example of harmony as it would if people were standing next to you singing a specific harmony part. Like if you were in a choir or you were standing next to people in a traditional church setting where people are harmonizing and doing it all the time. I find that it's much more fun to sing on stage next to really good singers because the more creative they get with their harmonies, the more it forces my brain to get creative with harmonies and find the holes to fill in. Harmony is really finding the holes in the options of notes that go with a chord. 
Now, you do not have to play a single solitary instrument up to this point in your life or for the rest of your life to know how to harmonize. Did you know that? You do not need to learn to read music. You don't need to know any of these things. Why do people tell you this? Because it's the only way they know how to help you get there. It's how they've been taught to teach you. I find that there is a much faster way, and that is to go to the root of the problem. The problem is not the voice. The problem is not note training. The problem is the singing database. Now, we need to get the information into the singing database. We need the brain to know that harmony is not a bad thing. Have you ever tried to sing a harmony and you, you try to go for a note? Hey, thanks for popping in. Uh, I, if you've ever gone to sing a harmony and you go for a note, even if you hit it successfully, you're like, I'm harmonizing. And then you keep going and all of a sudden you feel lost and you feel drugged to the melody. It's like you're being yanked back to that melody. That's not your voice doing that. That's your singing database in your brain doing that. And the reason your brain is doing this is because your brain wants to protect you. And the information that's been put in your brain, either through incorrect teaching or the examples of singers who always want to give advice and really should not. And honestly, a lot of TV coaches that have no business giving vocal advice, but always do and gush about it. All of that stuff is filed away. And when your voice says, okay, I want to go do harmony, brain, how do I do harmony? And the brain files through all the information it's ever gathered on harmony. And if the information, A, doesn't make sense with how your body, your anatomy of your voice actually works without putting more wrong things in your way than right things, and if it isn't true, then all it can do is guess. It might start right sometimes, and then it runs out of guesses. And the guesses are wrong. And the voice says, I've got to keep up with this song. I got to go to a note. So the brain freaks out and the brain goes, well, just go to the melody. We know the melody. We know the melody. We know how to get there. So it'll drive you. Your, your brain is going to physically drive you back to the melody because it wants you to succeed. That's your brain protecting you. Say, thank you, singing brain. I know you're on my side. But here is the real challenge. The challenge is not learning notes. The challenge is not learning even an instrument so you can find the holes in the chord structure. Which note in the triad is missing? It really has nothing to do with that. I mean, does it? Cart before the horse. It's the cart. Yeah, it's part of it, blah, blah, blah. But you don't ever have to understand a thing about it to get your voice to harmonize and do it well. What we need is to train the brain what we're looking for and give the brain realistic examples of how to get there so that when our voice says, okay, go into harmony, and it checks with your singing database up here, the singing database has something that is A, true to how your voice works, B, does not add another bad habit, which almost all singing advice adds a new bad habit, even into stuff that solves stuff, and three, can be proven as true. If those three things are in place, if it is measurable, it is um, anatomically true, and it is provable consistently, that means every single time you do it, it works the exact same way and has the exact same result. I never even thought that was possible. I paid for tens of thousands of dollars in the first 20 years of my life. I spent tens of thousands of dollars learning everything out there. And I really did not believe, based on all of that education, that you could ever prove those three things. It turns out that's what your brain relies on in order to get the voice to be unleashed to do what it can. Stop blaming your voice. It's not your voice's problem. It's your brain's problem. And I want you to start being super hyper protective and critical of everything that gets put in here. Stop worrying about this so much. Start worrying about this because this is where everything is going wrong. Okay, so what do we need first? What does the brain need first? It needs to know that harmony is a good thing. The reason your brain is driving you back to the main part or pulling you off of a harmony onto a note that doesn't even make sense in that song is because it believes that those are wrong. It believes that melody or the main part, the main notes in the song, none of those, if you've ever listened to my videos, you know, words don't matter. Uh, you can pick any singing term and get at least a half dozen completely different opinions from different singing teachers of what that even means. So never hang on a term. If you find a concept, explain it in the ways that makes the simplest, simplest common sense to you and never get hung up on what somebody else calls it. Because chances are they don't mean the same thing you mean anyway. 
All you have to understand is your voice. And guess what? You know it better than anyone else, better than me. Okay? You feel your voice. You hear your voice. Nobody else does. So don't get caught up on somebody else's definition of what you should call stuff. Ah, it drives me crazy because it messes with your database. Okay. So first thing we need to know is brain. Harmony is a good thing, not a bad thing. I need you to stop dragging me off the harmony because that's what your brain is doing. If you're not harmonizing right now, your brain thinks that harmony is a wrong thing. One of the reasons it thinks it's a wrong thing is because you've gotten really incomplete examples of what harmony is. Now, you listen to recordings all the time. You're like, oh, it's harmony. I should, I hear it in the recording. Well, I've already explained why your brain does not have what it needs in the example of any recorded music that's recorded in a contemporary way, which is 90% of all music. It cannot pick out the frequencies and the volume that it needs to make that part a priority. And priority is the key. Remember, we're dealing with the brain and the brain's job is to make you succeed. It drives you to the melody. That's why we worry about pitch, which we talked about last week in our live stream. It drives us to the pitch. We want to get pitch right because that's the right thing to do is sing those notes. That's the right part. By the way, I don't think I mentioned this last week, but if you ever hear a singer singing the melody and they go off and they do some little trilly thing, you do not have to do that trilly thing just because they did. Matter of fact, I've worked with singers long enough and I've worked as a professional singer in the studio long enough to know that most often singers are doing those truly things because they are fancy ways of hiding what they can't do vocally. And it's what they had to do there to trick you into thinking they could sing through it. And if you're one of those singers that trolls a lot, look, I can do it too. I used to think it was I was I was doing it because I was good. Now that I understand, I've had my voice ripped away from me two times, had every specialist in the world tell me I would never even speak again, and there was nothing science could do about it. It was physically impossible for me to ever string together a couple words in a way that my family would even recognize my voice. And for me to be back to singing and gain an extra half octave, I have learned some things about the voice that people are not even studying. And I've done it in every voice since. And I'm telling you, your voice can do this. Your voice is not the problem. The brain is the problem. Okay. Your brain needs to learn that everything that you've been doing that's not harmony, that it thinks is the right thing, is not the only right thing. And I found, um, especially working with very large choirs where you have to teach, you know, sometimes up to five parts and you got to get a bunch of singers everywhere from beginning singers who don't harmonize to, you know, people that have been singing in choirs for years and years. And you've got to get like 300 of them together to sing five different parts. And you've got to do it in eight weeks for this big performance. I've done this a couple of times and worked with these groups of people. And, and I've tested out a bunch of different methods of how do we get people, um, and and, it, and I do it with no music reading at all. If you know how to read music, great. If you find that that's a useful tool for you, use it. If you don't know how to read music, you don't need to know how. Matter of fact, um, I promise for those of you, <laughs> I've told this before, I am going to finish the, um, I've developed a charting system for singers that's numbers based that um, is it is so elementary, easy to learn to sing any melody or chart any harmony or any special thing that you come up with. It makes it so instantaneously memorable. Uh, and I've, I've, I've got it into a course. I just haven't recorded the course yet, but the charting method is coming, I promise. But there is a stupid, simple way of doing it. So don't think you have to invest in learning how to read music to learn how to harmonize. I've learned ways to teach singers and uh, I found the, one of the quickest ways to do it is to make learning tracks. Now, you don't have to go make learning tracks. I want to tell you why the learning tracks worked best. When I talk about taking people of different levels of ability, hundreds of people, teaching them com pretty complex harmonies in a short period of time and getting them all on the same page, getting them to stand next to each other and be able to pull off those harmonies. The reason it works is because what the brain needs is, first of all, to believe that harmony is the goal. So it needs to believe that the melody, which it says is like first place, we get first place if we, if we hit all the notes. But now what we want is we want the brain to know that the harmony, whatever that harmony part is, and it's not always the third, it's not always the fifth. These are again, just little little holes that people shove you into because that's the way they've learned. But whatever part complements the melody 
and works with that chord is a potential harmony. And you're basically just looking for holes that exist that you can sing a complementary note. It's no different than, um, I loved art class in high school, Kune taught color theory, because complementary colors are opposites. So you have, you know, red and green and blue, and then you split them off to like purple and orange are opposites. So they always look good together, look vibrant. Red and green are opposites. They look good together. It's the same thing with harmony. Opposites attract in a chord, which is just a bunch of notes that sound good together. It could be three notes, it could be 17 notes. Some of them will be repeated in different octaves. It doesn't matter. It's not worth philosophizing about. Those are for vocal pedagogy parties, which just means people that feel they're smart, that want to feel smarter and talk big terms. And they all mean something different when they define them, but they're all going to act like they know the definition because it makes everybody feel smart. I have paid to attend those parties because I was required to as a coach. Um, and let me just tell you, with the exception of about 10% of the coaches there, all the, us, the rest of the high level coaches walk away feeling stupid. And if they walk away feeling stupid, where does that leave you? Terms are useless. What we want the brain to know is that the harmony is now first place. Whatever that harmony part is, whatever the harmony part you're trying to learn is, or trying to figure out, or trying to copy off of somebody, please refer back to what I said about copying in the first and second last two weeks. And for those who are just joining, those are not posted yet because everybody in my neighborhood is, quote, working from home. They're stealing my internet. I'm telling you, I can't get any videos up. It's driving me crazy. Two weeks I've been trying. Anyway, okay. We need the brain to know that harmony is not wrong. Harmony is the goal. And then we need to know, the brain needs to know that harmony is now your first place goal because the brain is going to focus at the expense of other things on getting you to first place because that's its job. So fine. How do we get the brain to know that harmony is okay? By listening to a lot more harmony. And I would suggest, yes, Bianca says, I still learn, use learning tracks, big groups and small groups. It's the easiest way to learn quickly. And yeah, absolutely. And that's why it, it, there is a neuroscientific reason that tracks parts, if anyone has made one for you. And when I mix parts tracks, I mix them differently from anyone else I've seen doing them. I'm not going to go into all that, but there, there are frequency decisions that are made that you can make when you record and mix a parts track. That will affect how fast people learn. I know because I've tested it. Um, and if you get if you get it, the volumes and the frequencies just right, depending on if it's a male or female part, and depending on where it is, high or low, you can tweak those things so that the brain gets the message faster. Um, uh, it's These stupid, crazy things are really fun for me. I love testing and researching and finding faster ways to get to results. And I found that I can, I can double my speed in getting any singer to harmonize just by making those tweaks, which is tells me the brain we know is a powerful thing. And it tells me to tell you that if we give the brain the right information, you can learn this stuff and you can learn it a lot faster. Okay. So the brain needs to know that harmony is okay. When we're listening to recorded music, most contemporary music and the vast majority is mixed in a way that your brain is not going to get the information it needs to hear the harmonies clear enough to assess that as a part that is a potential goal. Okay. It can't decipher that as a potential priority in that song because of the way the song is mixed. Just being honest with you. So I've tried in the past to give other people different ideas. Um, if I'm not doing learning tracks or I'm not training somebody personally, how do we get that information? I'm going to give you a super really challenging, but very, very stupid white girl, simple thing to do this week next week, forever, to train your brain to listen to you, what you tell it is the priority over what your old singing database, which I could I put money on, is corrupt probably in three quarters of it, just because so much of our education, vocal education, comes from a whole bunch of junk. I'm working on a book called Game Changer, where I'm going to actually walk everybody through the horrific buying facts that I discovered when I did the research for myself to find out why is all of this so wrong? If what I learned through what science doesn't have a monetary reason to even study, and I've proven in all these voices is true, then how on earth did we get it all so wrong in every type of vocal education? I did the research. I was horrified. I'm going to put it in a book for you. I've got the outline. I'm working on it. 
It's called Game Changer, and it will be a game changer with the way you see everything your voice can do and is capable of doing really, honestly, really pretty fast. Okay, so we want the brain to have really concrete examples of harmonies that are clear. Uh, this is the reason why if you go further back, the further back in history you go, when we had smaller communities and people were harmonizing together, we had really clear examples because it was a voice in our ear right next to our head singing loudly that harmony. Matter of fact, we would hear that harmony louder than we would hear the melody, even if we were singing the melody, because as you know, if you've ever stood next to someone who loves to harmonize and does it moderately to better than moderately well, they do it loud and proud, right? Yes. So that example, guess what? Your brain now hears that clear frequency of that voice and the volume of that voice louder than it hears the melody, even if you're singing the melody next to it. And your brain says, wait, you must be singing along to that voice because that example is more clear to me. And then the, the brain says, oh, well, maybe that's the main part. And that is the entire reason why later on in life you think, I'm a natural harmonizer. I'm just so naturally talented. Hey, I thought so too. I was taught. My mom literally taught me. And it turns out the things that she taught us and the way that she taught us, starting at three and a half years old, she would teach us harmony. And the way that she taught us was the only way she knew how. It turned out that the neuroscience of it is the exact same thing. The reason it worked is not because a certain way to get there was the answer or somebody's opinion or some certain, you know, it was the classical method or it was, you know, the Broadway belt method. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. That's all terms and gobbledygook and somebody selling something. That's all it is. But that the brain needs to hear the harmony as the main part. It needs to become convinced that the harmony is the goal. And when it does, then the next time you're singing the melody and other people are singing the melody and that harmony is missing, guess what your brain says? Aren't we missing something? We're missing that really loud part. What is that part? And you start singing that part. Your brain will tell your voice, fill in that hole. And then you start singing harmony. So if you're a natural harmonizer, which I was so proud of being. I want you to know that you learned to harmonize the same way I learned to harmonize. We just didn't realize we were learning to harmonize. And if you're not a harmonizer, if you can't hold a harmony to save your life, I want you to know the, it's the exact same way you will learn to harmonize. The only difference is you'll know how you're getting there. That's the only difference. So if you ever hear someone like, oh, I've been naturally harmonizing forever. I was born into a musical family. We're just very gifted. I just want you to smile and nod. This is the answer to all incorrect things. Smile and nod respectfully. That's wonderful. They just don't know that they got the, the information, their brain got the information it needed to develop the example and believe that it was the first place. Hey, uh, it was the first place priority. So that when that first place priority, which was a harmony, because it was so clear and present in the brain all the time, when it was missing, your brain told your voice to fill the hole that was missing and out came a, came a harmony. You just didn't know that was happening if it happened younger in life. This is um, what happens a lot. We are in, a, especially in this day and age, a lot of people that have not grown up in church or that will go to a church and they're like, everybody's harmonizing and I must not be a good singer because I don't harmonize like they harmonize. <sighs> All right, let that baby go. I just dispelled why they harmonize. And if they feel great about it, I did too, because I was taught that I must be just naturally talented because I had harmonized since such a young age. It's not any more true than if I had learned tomorrow. It's just that you've got to learn. You've got to learn that way. Your brain needs that information and it's got to happen sometime. Now, um, so again, it, no one has any more great potential than other people. I'll give you another example. I like to use sports because I know nothing about sports, but the body is the body and it functions the exact same way. If you can understand what the other body parts do, even theoretically, you totally can understand your voice. If you wanted to play basketball um, and you were born really super tall, would basketball be easier for you? Sure. You know what? Some people are born with longer vocal cords. Some people are born with fatter vocal cords. Matter of fact, I didn't even know until I had had, I was probably up to a dozen vocal scopes. Vocal scopes really can't tell you much. It, it, it depends on who's doing the vocal scope. 
And if they know what they're looking for, and I, and I found out how much they don't know that you think they know, it's shocking. One of these episodes I'm going to do on getting vocal care for your voice in the medical field, because that, matter of fact, my birthday's coming up, and I think, oh, next week, guess what? Next Tuesday's my birthday. I have been toying with the idea of telling you guys something I've never told anyone since this all happened. I may deal with vocal damage, which somebody recommended last week. I may deal with that next Tuesday because it's my birthday. And I may tell you something no one knows about the medical field. And this has to do with you. If you ever have even an outpatient procedure, you should be terrified by what I found out. Um, and what kind of scope? I'm talking about a vocal scope. This is where they, they take, it's a vocal, ah, oh, I should know this word by now. For a while, I tried to memorize all these big words because I thought, you know, if I live through this, I almost died three times. So I, for a long time, I was like, I mean, I'm just, I didn't expect to live. So I wasn't going to research anything. But, and when I thought I might live, I thought I should learn these medical terms so I could tell people what they are. But then I thought, look at all the vocal terms that I spent tens of thousands of dollars to learn. And nobody even agrees on what they are. I'm not going to waste my brain on that. My brain needs to learn how to sing and talk, make noise, things like that. Uh, a vocal scope basically is stroboscopy, stroboscopy, whatever. Um, it's basically where they take this little camera um, and they go down and they they look at your actual vocal anatomy. Now, vocal cords get all the attention. Please refer back to when I get it up. The first live stream I did on You Are a Singer, uh, I talked about what we can and can't see with a vocal scope. And a lot of people think, oh, well, if you know, Matter of fact, uh, years ago, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith had a vocal scope and they, they showed it on a, I think it was like a PBS special or something. Now, Steven Tyler is a great example and I have to watch my time here because I tend to go long and I've got to teach. Uh, Steven Tyler is a great example. When I said, if you're born tall, you'd it'd be easier to play basketball. Tall people will have longer vocal cords. If you look at your nail thumb bed, the pink part, that's the length of your vocal cords. So the bigger thumbs bed you have, the longer vocal cords you have. The That means some things will be naturally easier for you or naturally harder. How how big, um, noisy your natural voice is. I'm a big, nasty, loud, obnoxious talker. So that means that I have an obnoxious power voice when I sing. And it's much, much harder. Never, never be jealous, by the way, of somebody who's a power singer, because we have the opposite problem. It's just that usually we're really uh, unrealistically confident people on the outside, not on the inside, just on the outside. And it looks like, oh, we're so good at things. It's not that. We really struggle with singing soft and light and the things that the other singers that wish they could be power singers nail. It's so true. Uh, all this bravado we put out front is because we've learned by watching other singers that we're all just supposed to be ego-driven and we've all just picked up the notes and copied other people. Copying is the worst thing you can do. Copying people's attitude and their blah, 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 blah. Attitude and copying comes down to not knowing what else to do. If you'll watch my videos, I promise you, you'll have so many more options of what to do besides get caught up in thinking I'm naturally this or I'm not naturally that. None of that's true. I need to know the terms or I need to understand that or I need to learn the, the 50 muscles of the vocal anatomy. No, you don't. You don't need to at all. You need to be familiar with your voice and how the brain works. Okay, back to Steven Tyler. They did this uh, video strobe and they showed his vocal because you know he can go up all into whistle, which is just higher than head voice. By the way, falsetto is another one of those terms. It is not an anatomical thing. It's just something that somebody called it. Now we like to talk about it and argue about it. Falsetto is not actually a real thing. It's head voice. Uh, guys have head voice just like girls have head voice. We all have chest voice. We all have head voice. We all have what should be a complete mix of both um, in 90% of the notes, which almost nobody teaches you how to do, but that's the way the voice is meant to work. And, um, and when you have longer vocal cords, it gives a lot more time for those vocal muscles to transition and do that. It makes it easier for those tall people. Um, if you've ever seen uh, guys that sing bass are generally real tall, broad guys. Uh, generally they'll have taller, longer, thicker vocal cords. Mass is something you can't see in vocal cords unless you look with the scope. But the only thing that matters about how thick your vocal cords it 
are how long you can sustain bad teaching before you get actual vocal damage. Matter of fact, I had all this pride of being such a power singer. I used to think if it wasn't a lot of hard work to sing my big power notes, then I just wasn't good. You know, I, I, if I lost my voice, I felt proud of it at the end of the day. I really did. I was that stupid. I just want you to know. But it turns out after all these scopes, if it weren't for my fat vocal cords, I'd have had to have vocal surgery years earlier. So in those years, and it was very, very short time, I was a bad teacher. I think I went into that story in first live stream. When I was a bad teacher, it didn't last long because I hated how I felt. I felt like I didn't know the answers to give someone and I didn't know what I was doing and I hated that feeling. So I quit. And I'm really glad that I did because I could have done some harm. Because just if I had just taught people to copy what I was doing, they would have gotten vocal damage and they would have gotten vocal damage a lot sooner than I ever would. And then I would do what a lot of other voice teachers do because they don't know any better and they're not taught any better. And I would say, well, they didn't get it from me because I don't have vocal damage. I've been doing this for years. And that could be absolutely not true because it comes down to the size and shape of your vocal cords plus the bad habits that you're doing and how often you're repeating them. That's what will determine how quickly your voice will die on you. And it can be absolutely related to somebody else who does the exact same thing and gets away with it. Just why we never nilly-willy copy another singer. Um, I would say less than 10% of the time do I see a singer doing something that I would let any of my singers copy. And I don't mean encourage to copy, but let. I would allow them to. But I would never allow them to copy even a great singer until I explain what they're doing right. Because I have found to be consistently true that the great singers who are doing it right don't understand what they're doing right. And therefore, the longer their careers go on, chances are extremely high that eventually they will start going wrong. Because they'll take things to a further and further extreme because they believe it's natural and they believe it's never going to disappear on them. And it just does not work like that. Listen to the end of Mariah Carey's career. Listen to the end of Aretha Franklin's career. Just saying. Okay. Um, so if you, had, if you had a vocal strobe and you saw that I have really long vocal cords and they're very thick, that means I can get away with all this stuff. Well, sure, you probably could. But do you want to? Or would you rather uncover how to do everything and make it super easy because that's your other option. All right, I got to get through this and give you this assignment for Harmony. Um, <clears throat> by the way, um, Bianca, you mentioned the, the nasal scope. I've had, it's, I'm not kidding, it is torture. I've had so many scopes where they make you, they put the tube down your nose, down into your cords with a camera, and then they put a tube down your mouth down into your cords and then they make you drink water while both your nose and your mouth are full of tubes you can't breathe and you have to do this for 10 minutes it's like suffocating this is an actual medical test they do for things i have had no less than half a dozen of these they're torture literal torture and i've never seen a result come out of any of those tests that gave anybody any useful information i still would love any of those doctors that I've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to explain why I paid for them and why I was tortured. Just saying, some of this stuff is crazy that they do. Uh, but yeah, they never got any information off of any of that. Nothing they couldn't get off of a, uh, a regular scope. Okay, so Harmony, your voice can do it. Your brain needs an example. The best way to have an example is for it to be loud and proud so that your brain learns that, wait a minute, that must be the main part. Well, I want to be first. I want to be the priority. I've got to have the main part. Therefore, it's going to look for the harmony. I'm going to give you a super, I'm going to give you a couple examples of some things you can go and try to listen to. The best thing you can do, the hands down, no joke, the best thing you can do is hang around and sing with harmonizers next to them, next to their face. Even if you stink, even if you can't hold a harmony to save your life, even if you can't hold a melody, even if they hate singing with you, convince them, pay them off, make them cookies. I don't care. The best example you can have is another harmonizer in your ear. The um, best example you can have of a melody or a harmony, any note path, which is a harmony or a melody, any note path that you want to learn, the best example is your own voice heard in a different way. As I mentioned in the first live stream a couple weeks ago, we hear our voice, come, we feel our voice, and then we hear it going out. If you'll stand, this is why singing in the bathroom is so great. If you'll stand next to like a tile wall, even if you'll hold your hand right here, 
If you do this right now, go la, 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 la. Now hold your hand about five, six inches in front of your face and go la, 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 la. And you can hear the sound bouncing back to your ears. This is why singing in the bathroom is great. It bounces the sound back into your ears and it gives your brain a much more vivid example of the goal. So stand next to sing with other harmonizers. It's the best thing you could do. Second to that, if you're going to look at recorded music, contemporary mixed music is going to not give your brain anything it needs. It's, it's information that makes you want to do something that your brain won't have the information to copy or find a way to, or get a reference from, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you go back and listen to old school acapella barbershop, that's about as close as you can get to somebody else harmonizing your ear. If you can't find anyone that'll put up with harmonizing with you. <laughs> now and now there are just a lot fewer people. I say get involved in a choir all the time. Get involved in a choir. And then I'm going to do an episode on everything you shouldn't believe that your choir director will tell you that they don't know they're telling you that will damage your voice. I should probably do that too. But being next to other harmonizers is a great way to have that reference. But more valuable than learning how to read music is understanding that your brain will lead you to what it thinks is best. If you will teach it that the harmony is the main part, it will go to that part. That's why learning tracks work. Because when we hear that part above the melody, then the brain assumes that that is the melody. We trick the brain. And that's why when we hear the other parts, it's confusing. But eventually, your brain can find the way through and stay on the harmony because it thinks that's the main part. So what do we need? We need the harmony, whatever that is, to be the main part. The best way to do this in a specific song is to hear another person harmonizing. Learning tracks make it super simple. It does the same thing. Um, but if you want to learn to harmonize as a skill and not just learn a harmony to a song, which uh, is not a solution, it's a temporary fix. And I'm not big on temporary fixes. I'm on big on understanding how your brain and your voice works so that you can unlock all the things it can do. It can do way more than you think. You have got a huge diamond in that voice. Even if you all you ever see and think and smell is coal. I'm telling you, that diamond is there. I have yet to see a voice that doesn't have a diamond, a big freaking diamond in there. It's just the fact that we don't understand how to get to it. And the brain is what's in the way. Okay. Um, if you go back and listen to, and, and Barbershop is not anybody's favorite almost ever, right? Kind of music, but acapella music. Uh, listen to acapella music because it takes the instruments out. Now, if you get current recorded acapella, they're mixing, they're adding in all the effects that are going to, they're doubling all the parts. And that just makes the, every time we double the layers of vocals in a mix, every time we add any effect, and let me tell you, there are dozens and dozens of them on every vocal track in any standard recording. For every one of those, um, it adds another hidden layer for your brain to decipher that information as important. So really, when we get to another plain voice beside us, that is, that's why that's best. Uh, if you can go listen to non-overmixed acapella stuff, what's great is listening to people's YouTube videos because generally they don't have the ability to mix them at home. This makes it a great thing to have more exposure for your ear to hear the harmonies. If you're listening to an acapella group, though, chances are you're going to hear the melody above the harmony parts, and your brain is still going to pick out the harmony. I'm, I'm sorry, I mean the melody. Your brain is still going to pick out the, what it views as the loudest, most important part. So I'm going to give you a little test real quick in our last few minutes. Ask me any other questions as we wrap up. Um, next week, I'm going to go over vocal damage, and I'm going to try to be brave enough to tell you the one thing I've held out for 11 years and not told anybody about, mainly because it makes me cry, and I'm a crier. I don't like to cry on camera. Who does, right? Okay, so I'll try to be brave next week and, and reveal that to you. Also, tell me what else you want to learn because I'm doing this for you guys. So I need to know. I know I'm going to do vocal damage next week, but I need to know what else you want to learn and I need your questions. Even if you watch this later, please let me know. I am watching all of those to see how long we do this and what I cover. I'm going to cover whatever you want to know because I'm doing this for you. Okay, not for me. I could still be in bed, even at 11. I could sleep till 2.30. I've tried. It's possible. During COVID, you can do it too. Come on, I'm not the only one. Okay, so here's something to try. When you start, uh, I'm just going to show you in a little app. There's a free app called Chords that I love. C-H-O-R-D-S. I've got Apple devices and um, they've got similar similar apps that are free. They're just keyboards. And then when you push a, a key, um, then it'll, it'll play a chord. This one, I like chords because you can play a major, a minor, 
diminished, you're like, those aren't even chords, but they are. And they actually show you which notes they are. It's really cool. It's kind of fun to play around with. So if you've been harmonized a little bit, you're trying to find new harmonies, I would really suggest chords, C-H-O-R-D-S for your Apple device or something similar for uh, Android or whatever you've got. Um, and just play. You What you want is the clearest example of individual notes. Now, when I play this, it's hard to see. See how it has the little yellow dots? And um, so you can see if I push on the keyboard on one of these yellow dots, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I can't see, I'm backwards. So if I push on the keys, I can hear what note that is. And then if I push on this over here, it plays the major chord. So I'm going to give you this. Now, whether you do it with an app like this or you just do it off of any song you listen to on whatever you listen music to, Spotify, whatever, um, it works the same. I find that if you can slow down what you're working on, it is much easier for your brain to pick out what you want it to pick out as important. So I like apps like this because when you're trying to sing and hold a note, you can slow it down as much as you want. When you're singing along to a song, song's going to move on and it doesn't give your brain as much information to prioritize that information. Remember, this is what we're building. This is fine. This is just fine. It's exactly where it should be. There's nothing wrong with it. This is the problem. Okay, so you're going to, when you hear either a chord or you're singing along to a song, you can literally do this just picking a note out of thin air. Pick a note, sing a song. It could be, you know, any song. It can be a pop song. It can be Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. It doesn't matter what song it is. Pick a note and stay on one note. Now, this sounds stupid simple. I told you it was going to be stupid simple, white chick simple because that's who I am. Everything has to be super, super simple, but it totally works. If I, if I choose to sing on different notes by choice, I am giving my, my brain the information that that is what I've decided is priority. Now, if I were going to play this chord, da, 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 I know because if I push the little three yellow dots, that tells me what the notes are. And if I, and if let's say I was playing a song and I found something, I was like, oh, this song is in, oh, okay, this is, that sounds like that's the key it's in. And I push the little yellow dots. I know that those are three holes in that chord. Now there are more than that, but those are three places that I can sing. That means wherever the melody is, those other two notes are open to be a harmony. You could, you could actually design your own harmonies with an app like this so easy. What I want you to do is find in any song that you sing or think up off the top of your head, pick one note that you hear in the music. Doesn't matter what note it is, any note you hear. It can be the first note that the singer sings. It can be anything. But then I want you to stay on that one note. Even when it sounds horrifically awful, I want you to choose that note. And your brain's going to kick back. It's going to try to knock you off of there. But you're going to tell your brain, no. This is what I've decided is my priority. It's this note. What you're actually going to do is train the brain. You're going to train the brain to say, don't automatically dig into that old database of stuff that hasn't been working for me and try to guess where I should be because your guesses are wrong. I'm going to tell you where to go and you're going to go where I tell you. You should be running your singing database, by the way. It shouldn't be running you. And it's running you wrong if you're listening to this right now because um, it's it ran my voice wrong and I was getting paid to sing, right? I thought I was so good. It's just that my brain had a lot more guesses that were covering up my ugly for a lot longer than anything else. All right, I got to wrap this up because I got to teach some singers. Okay, so one note, any song, you're going to choose to stay on that one note. You're going to learn to listen for examples of non-heavy mixed acapella or simple harmonies. You're going to sing next to other people that harmonize. And you're going to stop telling your brain, you're going to stop letting your brain tell you you're wrong because you're not on the melody. Okay? Even when you hit a note that does not belong and it is ugly, you're still heading in the right direction because the goal is to head off of the melody. And if you are off of a note that doesn't belong in that song, guess what? You're one step closer to the goal because you're off of the melody. So even, and of course you don't want to do this in front of other people performing a song. That would be stupid and not condoning that. But all of your work on your voice should never be happening in front of other people anyway. And it should be happening a lot on your own every time you sing. 
it's an opportunity to work on your voice. You don't have to have a two hour workout six days a week. Every time you sing is a chance to learn something that your voice can do by unleashing your brain's database. Okay. You pick a note, you sing that note. If you fail to hit that note that you aim for, as long as you don't go back to the melody, you are a step closer to success. And any note, and if your brain puts you on another note, then you cling to that note as long as you can. The goal is to stay on one note and get your brain to release its power over, over moving you. That is the number one thing that we need to change in order to allow your brain to allow you to learn harmony. And then get around clean examples, non-mix, non-edited, as much as possible. All right. Thank you guys so much for attending. Thank you so much for your kind comments. I love them and, and I'm going to get the rest of these up. I'm, I'm literally I'm trying 24 hours a day to get these videos up. I wish they'd send everybody back to work in school so I could use my internet again because I pay for high speed and I'm not getting it. Just saying, internet company. All right. I appreciate you guys so much. I do this for you. I would be here if it weren't for you. So let me know if you appreciate this. Let me know what you want and I will do more of it for you. You guys have a great week. I will see you back here. Another live training Tuesday, next Tuesday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time.